With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom. Simply visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate to make a difference today. Now it's time for Cam's Buddies. This week we'll find out what they think about Waitangi Day, the Treaty of Waitangi and the so-called principles of the treaty, along with their views on Acts Treaty Principles Bill. My producer has them all lined up and ready to go. And let's go for the first Cam's Buddies of the year and a little surprise for you all. Welcome to Cam's Buddies, Lindley, and you are the first female buddy and you volunteered to come on the show, so welcome to Cam's Buddies. Well, thanks, Cam. That's absolutely lovely, and um, I hope I get through this very first time. I'm a virgin buddy, you know. Um, Get through this one piece, eh? Yeah, I think you will. You'll be just fine. So the topic that I I want to talk about tonight uh, is the Treaty of Waitangi and the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi and David Seymour's bill to try and cement what these principles are. And I really appreciate your thoughts on that. Well, um, as you know, I've only had 24 hours to actually get all this together, Um, but I am faintly uh, familiar with the principles and and the treaty and various things. Um, But I really would rather um, bring to your attention something else, which is prior to the principles, the bill with um, what David Seymour is trying to address, Because um, what about principles themselves before we start arguing over the Treaty of Waitangi principles? Um, Now, the biggest principle is respect. Mm. And I don't think that respect has been um, addressed at all in this whole scrap. And I listened to David's speech um, today on at Waitangi, and it was a perfect example of what I'm talking about, because you can't set principles when you haven't even got respect as a starting point. Now, in David Seymour's speech, I listened to that, and there was three points that I noticed, and one was, why in the middle of it did he ridicule Donald Trump, for heaven's sake? <laughs> mentioning about him being reduced to an insect, I thought, no matter what you think of that man, that is extremely disrespectful. And then the members uh, of the, you know, at Waitangi, they were all making noises and drowned him out. Mm. That was disrespectful. The elders who let that go, that was disrespectful. And I thought, well, if you can't even start with respect between one another, how on earth are you ever going to honour the principles of the treaty? That's a, those and, are very good points that you make there, Lindley, and, and I 100% agree with you. There needs to be respect in this discourse on both sides of the argument, uh, and until we have that respect, we're just going to have a shouting match going backwards and forwards and end up with a complete mess. Exactly, and as you know, like begets like, and that Mm -hmm. uh, is also in the emotional sense, not only the physical. And if you're going to go around being horrible and disrespectful, you're going to attract it back. Yep, that's right. And it just goes tit for tat. Yep, people pick up what you're putting down, and if you're putting down insults, they'll be picking up insults. Exactly. 
So I just wanted to raise that point um, because I know that your other buddies will come in with all the detail of the people involved and all that sort of thing, and I just want to address it from this particular angle. I think it's um, a good angle. I think it's a really good angle, um, you know, that we need to have this mutual respect. The big issue that I have with, with the whole thing is that the, there's absolute outright misinformation, or it, it might actually be disinformation, deliberately wrong, where people are claiming that David Seymour is wanting to rewrite the treaty, and he's not. No. It's, it's about defining the principles of the treaty, which is only a line in a piece of law that no one's actually defined yeah. yet. And it seems to me That's that we correct. should be having a discussion about this, a grown-up discussion, without insults, so that we can actually try and solve this problem so it's not a movable feast going into the future yeah. where where the lawyers and the and the judges and the activists uh, try and move the principles to something that were never intended by the treaty in the first place. Well, I totally agree with you, and I do think that David Seymour, um, that is his intent, I believe, um, but we'll see how, how he goes, but I've written down several principles um, that we all need, need to um, learn about, and they're at the base of this treaty, and they are respect, honesty, truth, peace, morality, and compassion. Now... My question is, have we, as a species, evolved to this point? No, we haven't. No. So 2040, that's what the question was, you know, what was your vision? Yeah. I would like a vision like that, and because that's in the broader sense, we've never achieved it, and we've certainly never achieved it in politics of all places, and that's what I would like to see. I'd like to see um, humans evolve to that point and then worry about principles of their treaties and different things like that. Because the Treaty of Waitangi, after all, even for the most simple or uneducated person or the youngest person or the oldest person, it is so simple. Yes, three it, articles that define yeah. what we are to be as a nation. And there's no principles yeah. in the treaty. There's just three articles. No. And we need to sort this out because some full politician decided that they would use the clause uh, principles of the Treaty of Waitangi in legislation and leaving it open and up to judges. And we all know what judges are like. I mean, they don't even sentence criminals to jail when they when they desperately deserve it. Um, so leaving no, that don't. to the judges and is the worst thing ever, and, and it's poor legislation that was promulgated on New Zealand society Back in nineteen, I think nineteen seventy-five, I think it was when the when the Waitangi Tribunal was created. Right. Um, well, you know, I absolutely agree with that. But the problem is, usually, that that treaty is so simple that there has to be, uh, and usually is with anything like that, when activists get in and want it changed, there's usually an agenda behind it, mm -hmm. and the agenda is almost always money and money and power. Mm -hmm. They're not really interested in making the treaty wording perfect at all. They just want to change it so that they can capitalise on it for their goal. That's uh, my experience of people. People are greedy. They do mm -hmm. want power. Yep. And they'll go for it. And if they've got even an inkling of getting a foot in the door, they will push and go all the way. 
Yeah, and totally. That's what I see is happening. And of course, my life experience, you know, I go back a very long way. And I lived in Marlborough. Now, they had ructions there, they had a Maori murder, war atrocities there mm-hmm. called the Wairau incident. Yep. And that, that was a couple of years after the treaty was signed. So the treaty has really never been honoured in my book. But living there and growing up there, I can say absolutely hand on heart, Cam, I have never, ever heard anybody speak ill of Maori people in my early life. Absolutely never. And we just lived alongside one another. I've worked with them uh, right by their side. A lot of Maori people at the freezing works, sharing sheds everything and you could not get better people to work with and they were very honourable and treated me really well and likewise and now I come to probably the last 10 years it's really accelerated I'm experiencing racism I'm hearing people um, being very rude about Maori people and vice versa so by trying to tear this treaty to pieces and add principles and all that sort of thing, they've only made matters worse. They've created division and separatism. And even I, from my background, if I'm somewhere and I see, let's say, a couple of Maoris coming along and looking a bit in rough gear, I sort of tense up and, you mm. know, it worries me. It, now, it, it I was never like that before. I mean, you know, I was born in Fiji. And uh, Fiji Fiji has had a separatist uh, agenda for quite some time. And and it hasn't worked. And it hasn't worked anywhere in the world where they have these types of things. We we had terrible atrocities in Rwanda, all on the basis of separatism and race. Uh, We've had the situation in Fiji with coup after coup after coup. And, you know, I was really hoping that they would have sorted it out with a new constitution and all everyone born in Fiji is is classed as a Fijian. But Rambuka's gone back to the to the e Taukai having having uh, primacy. And it really concerns yes. me. Um and I'm concerned to see that happening in New Zealand as well, where we've had what I reckon is a pretty good race relations situation being is exacerbated by foolish politicians who have not drawn up laws that are beneficial to all New Zealanders. And that was the whole idea of the treaty in the first place, that we would all be New Zealanders, that we would all become British subjects. Um, But somehow there's this heroic view now that uh, Maori never ceded sovereignty, but I'm unsure as to how you can become a British subject without ceding sovereignty. No, well, it's it's just got an agenda behind it. That's all, Cam. Mm. That's the truth of the matter. Um, yeah, they, they seem but, to ignore the common sense, ordinary New Zealander, people like yourself and the rest of my buddies. Yes, exactly. And they, they're not too scared now to pipe up and say anything. You know, my friends are. They're all very guarded um, what they say, you know, who they're sitting with before they say it and that sort of thing. It's very, very sad, you know, because we actually had enormous respect um, for the Maori people. And when I think back to people like, um, is it Prince Tui Teka that got the Partia Yep, Partia Maori Club. Yep. Yep. Look, look what they did when, when they were 
they weren't victimised. Um, the freezing work shut down. They lost their incomes, um, and they got together and, and you know, came up with this absolutely marvellous uh, mm. group that toured, I believe, toured around the world. Yep. Lifted everybody's spirits, you know, got off their bums and did something. And, um, you know, so talking about but respect, you, they got respect. I mean, there's huge respect but, in New Zealand for the for the efforts of the Maori Battalion in World War Two. You know, fantastic oh, soldiers feared by by the best uh, German soldiers. You know, the Africa Corps were, were scared of the Maori Battalion. Indeed. Because of because of their capabilities, so we've got this fantastic mm. culture um, um, uh, amalgam of cultures in New Zealand, and it, and I agree with you. I think over the last ten years, it's seriously been eroded, and and uh, it's really and, dreadful. I, I don't think um, the politicians live in a glass a glass house. Really, I don't think they know um, how it has affected the mainstream people. Because they were like me, they they lived up uh, lived without racism. They've come through that. The people is, in my age group, which is exactly why um, ACT and New Zealand First are, uh, are gaining support because they, they recognise what ordinary New Zealand is saying. We've had enough of this nonsense. We want to go back to the way it was, uh, where everyone was mm. living in peace and harmony, and and Jack was as good as his master. You know, mm. the, these elitist politicians, and, and I've actually blamed the Labour Party and the National Party for this, have have carried it on with an arrogance that they know best. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's very, very sad. And, like, I just wrote down a, a little um, note here, which yep. I'll, I'll just say this is how I see it. Um, separatism is growing. Racism is growing. Greed is fueling it. 2040, there's a pot of gold at the end of that. Then what? Because we've got to look at what happens after that. We've got, uh, the, if the Maori get their, um, what is it, the he, he pua pua thing in, mm, mm. Um, what's going to happen after that? It'll be tribe against tribe. It'll be arguments over equity. It'll be we want what you've got, but we don't want to work as hard to get it as you did, and then really the next step is violence, and this is only 16 years away. Which is exactly what the treaty was designed to prevent. Uh, the tribes, exactly. uh, the Iwi in New Zealand signed the treaty willingly because they wanted an end to the, to the tribal warfare. That was the, the, exactly pri what... that was the primary driver for, for Iwi to sign um, the treaty, and people seem to have forgotten their history. That is exactly right. That's exactly right. And they have, well, I don't know that they've forgotten it. Um, you've got the activists pushing it because they, they want um, that pot of gold out of it. But you've also got the media being complicit in it, in um, fueling ill feeling and fear. Yes. And frankly, just it's just fake news. It's absolutely correct to call it fake news. It's made up, a yep. lot of it. And... They push um, a narrative and they very cleverly groom the public um, with emotive words and things. They groom them on how they want them to think. And then they can dump a narrative on it and actually have them believe it. And I agree with I you. Don't listen. I agree with you 100%, Lindley. And, you know, for your first uh, call to Cam's Buddies, I think you've done very, very well. And, and I'm sure that we'll have heaps of. Heaps of uh, comments uh, in the mailbox 
about just how well you did. And uh, and you are so welcome to come back onto Cam's Buddies and you can do it every week if you want because I think you are a voice of reason. Thank you very much. And I better go to the next caller now, Lindley. So thank you so much for your time. Okay, Cam. Take care. You're welcome. You too. Bye-bye. Well, that was pretty good, wasn't it, from Lindley there? Uh, she volunteered uh, at the end of last year and uh, has been in communication with the, with my producer and and we've got it working. So, um, you know, I, I hope she gets lots of feedback uh, coming through. And it's time for me to take the next call. Good afternoon, Paul. Welcome to Cam's Buddies. Good afternoon, and it's great to be back in 2024. Well, yeah, we've had I've had a bit of a long break, but uh, back at it now and loving being behind the uh, sitting in the host chair and being behind the microphone. Great. So tonight's topic uh, is about the Treaty of Waitangi and the so-called principles of the treaty, and David Seymour's attempt to codify what those principles are, because nobody seems to know what they are. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's very sound. And if you were to ask 100 New Zealanders what are the principles of the treaty, I would suggest to you 100 wouldn't know. And um, I think that David Seymour having sort of boiled it down to three, being that the New Zealand government has the right to govern all New Zealanders, I think that's a, that's a good one. We can, I mean, I think that was pretty much written in the treaty. People could see it there. It was pretty obvious that the Maori of the day gave the right to be governed in part of the treaty for protection, actually, from the Crown, from others that were trying to kill them. Um, so they gave the right for the government of the day or the Crown to be able to govern them. I thought that was pretty good. And I think another one that he's talked about is honour all New Zealanders' land and property rights. And I think that's another good one. I think if we don't honour the fact that when someone's bought some land, I mean, I know that there's been grievances in the past and there's been um, land was confiscated and all that sort of thing. And I've even had land taken for roads myself and they do it in the most interesting way and all that sort of thing. You don't feel good about the process. But the fact that we should be able to be um, able to, when we've got our land, it's ours and we can do pretty much with it as is reasonable mm. under the law. I think that's another good right. And um, the fact we're all equal, I, I really, it really troubles me when some people have more say than they should over things that I do and they get put in a place because they're a different nationality or ethnicity to me so that they now are able to, they get two votes, if you like, or they get put into jobs that I apply for that I can't be given that job because my ethnicity is incorrect. I think I find that very difficult to tolerate. And if Maori have been tolerating that up until now because there's some racist scheme against them, I feel it's a terrible thing. And also, um, I think we should be judged by our character or judged by our ability, judged by what we can actually achieve because we've proven we've got some skills, not by um, what the colour of our skin is or what... Um, our heritage might be or where, where we were born. What, what are your thoughts on on the claims by people like Rawari Waititi, by Hane Harawera, by Debbie Packer, that Maori never ceded sovereignty? I mean, I really, really struggle with this concept because Article 1 of the treaty um, clearly says, and, and in the preamble, as Don Brash mentioned earlier in the show, 
uh, the preamble actually says that we're all going to be one pe one people uh, under the sovereignty of uh, of the crown, and that we'll all become British subjects. And I'm not sure how you can uh, say that you didn't cede sovereignty and aren't a British subject at the same time. Yeah, I um, I agree with that. My understanding was that there was um, the musket wars happened prior to the treaty, and there was a lot of um, I guess people that felt unsafe, and they were Maori people that felt unsafe, and I think they gave up um, their rights to govern themselves in behalf of the British government to, to or the Crown to to govern them, so that they didn't get killed by other um, tribes that had muskets is my recollection of what, what was occurring at that time. I wasn't there, of course, but when I've read back in history, I'm reading this and I'm thinking there's a lot of a lot of that was seceded. Their, their sovereignty, they were happy to give it up because it meant that they weren't going to be attacked by other Maori, or if they were, they'd be protected by the Crown. Yeah, Don Brash pointed out that 20 years after the treaty was signed, there was a meeting at Koemarama, and the minutes and the written recording of those meetings at Koemarama were clear that Maori had indeed uh, ceded sovereignty. And indeed, Professor Elizabeth Rata has also said that in 1852, there was a Constitution Act was passed in Parliament that established sovereignty of Britain over New Zealand, and everybody who lived in New Zealand at that stage was born in New Zealand, uh, were British subjects. Yes. Well, if such things exist, why aren't they taught in our schools and why is the media going on and on about it's a problem? And they're saying, like, they're all talking, like David Seymour's trying to pass a bill into law that says we'll take something from the Maori people of New Zealand. And what he's actually doing, by the what, when every time I listen to him, and you do have to listen to him to, to hear it, is he's saying, what are the principles? And mm. these are the ones he recommends, and if those aren't them, let's discuss it and see what they are. And see but what else there is. No one knows um, what they are, then it's much more difficult to say, oh, well, we've given the authority to the Waitangi Tribunal, which isn't the highest authority in their land, the government is. So if the government says this is what it is, then this is what it is. They are higher than than the Waitangi Tribunal, which they appointed. Mm, exactly. Um, a caller before you, Lindley, suggested that the, the problem we've got in this whole debate is a lack of respect on both sides. What's your thoughts on that? I think that's right. Like when I listen to people drowning out the speakers at Waitangi, Regardless of what they're going to say, they, they just drown them out so that they don't hear what they're going to say. Do folk think out there that by drowning out the opposition so it can't be heard, that it won't proceed? And I'm looking, I'm thinking, if you argue back with a good argument, not with stopping someone from talking, it was like listening to David Seymour, the first half he was being interrupted a few times in the and the latter part of it, they were singing over him so no one could hear what he was saying. What what benefit is that? I mean, if I was David Seymour, I wouldn't be going back because there was so little respect for him. And he's he's Maori himself. He, I think he's his tribe is um he said it actually when when I was there. I forget the one now, but it was Tainui or something like that. It's his tribe. And I'm thinking, well, if he's actually a Maori and he's doing this, and then Winston came and talked, and again everyone was. Um, arguing and trying to drown, drown them out, not 
allowing him to speak. I think they also, when you don't let someone speak, they frustration builds up and things happen even more one-sided than if you could actually challenge the arguments with sensible sound logic. Well, you know, it's the point you make about uh, David Seymour's uh, iwi affiliations is that he's actually Napui, which is from there. Napui, um, that so, was it. Yes. So what it was was Napui being rude to another Napui. Yes. Yeah, quite and, astonishing. And he's allowed an opinion. Yeah, well, it's 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 funny because it's like they consider David Seymour and Winston Peters and Shane Jones uh, and Nicole McKee as the wrong sort of Maori. That they don't subscribe to their yeah. views, so that so we need to howl them down. We need to shut them up, and our way is is the highway, and that is an unacceptable practice in the democracy of New Zealand. I absolutely agree. And and what happens is they're being baited into doing this by the likes of the media. Like I listened to Jack Payne talking to David Seymour, and he was coming from a premise that had no logic, but he was saying. One member of um, a treaty, if a treaty is a contract, if one side of the contract doesn't agree, the other side can't change it. And I'm saying, but if part of the contract said that one side can change it, then it's just part of the contract. We don't need agreement because if you've ceded sovereignty to the Crown and the Crown says we're doing this now, that's what ceded sovereignty means. Yep, you cede sovereignty to the Crown. We have a democracy. Parliament... Politicians um, create parties. They have policies. We elect the the parties we want. A coalition is formed under MMP with the parties that can generate the most number of seats or a majority of the House. And then they set about introducing the legislative agenda. That's how democracy works. You don't like that. We'll get a better argument. Yes. See, better arguments win, not shouting someone down. Mm. And when we're talking about, because um, they were saying, you know, how much, how, big should the fiscal envelope be and all the grievances that have occurred, how, how much money should be paid to the folk that have had things taken from them? Well, the real question is whose money should be being paid to such people? And if it's the Crown's done things that are wrong and they're able to make or form redress, great, let's do it. And if it means that no one can afford to move on and the country's all over, well... Our family lost a lot of land in China when um, the, the revolution happened there. We're not going back there saying, oh, come on, guys, you need to give us, we aren't going to China, so you need to give us all our money and our ships back and our land that we had. It's happened, it's done, we've moved on. Now, the fact that it's coming up in 2040, it's 200 years, lots of these things, the recipients of the benefit of them aren't around. And their oh. grandchildren aren't around. And so what they're saying is, let's make as best redress as we can. And the Waitangi Tribunal has come up with some numbers that they said were good. And how they derived them in the day, I don't know. But they're fairly, they, they were, the folk that received the, the money from the tribunal seemed happy enough. Now, where did the money go? Eventually, did it have a trickle-down effect in all those folks that are benefiting under the tribes that have made an agreement, have they received a big gain in life? Well, the fact that 48% of New Zealand young people attend school and 52 don't, I think we're in for a whole lot more of something because the lack of education will be a much 
more bitter pill to swallow. And that's like the lack of education, the lack of housing, and the lack of a reasonable health system. These are things that are much tougher than who owns what piece of land so that the mm. few can get rich rather than um, everybody gets educated and we could all head in the same direction as equal citizens having a go and, you know, making it the great country that it is. You're participating in a, in a vibrant, robust economy um, that can sustain us all. Exactly. Right. Thank you for your call, Paul. I appreciate those views and they you know, largely echo what Lindley said earlier. So, uh, you know, that's a good uh, first call back for Cam's buddies from yourself and I look forward to hearing from you next week. Okay, take care and bye for now. Bye. Good afternoon, Jack. Welcome to Cam's Buddies. Hello, Cam. How are you? Fantastic. Good. I'm glad to be back behind the microphone and glad to have you back on Cam's Buddies. (laughs) I thought you'd sack me. No, I know. This is the first show of the year. Um, You're definitely not sacked. You're a audience uh, favourite. We get heaps of feedback about your wonderful comments. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) So, Jack, the topic for tonight is about the Treaty of Waitangi and the so-called treaty principles and what David Seymour is trying to do with the treaty principles bill and what your thoughts are on that and, you know, the, the mm. annual shenanigans at Waitangi? Well, the way that it was explained to me when I was a young man um, by a very knowledgeable person was... Was, it, was his name uh, Noah? Murray, could have been. <laughs> he, was, he was the chief engineer. We young engineers <laughs> were gathered every morning for a lecture and he would often talk about Murray. And he said, the first thing you guys should know is that Murray are not one race of people. They are several races... But actually, to put it in kind of a simplistic way, there are warmongering Murrays, and then there are the sort of serfs, the ones that are enslaved, raped, pillaged, and then eaten. And what happened was, around, I don't know, before 1840, uh, these Maoris saw what was happening, as rough as it was, but the British way of doing things actually had a bit of sense to it. So they approached uh, the governor, and they said, hey, we'd like to come under your protection. And that's how it all started. From there, it's grown into something that's just a gravy train. And I'm right behind David Seymour, I can tell you. He's actually nailed it. They've, they've, I think they've had about four uh, events or, over the period there where um, they've asked or had tribunals to decide what should be given, and a full and final settlement. So we've had four. I'll stand corrected on this, but I think we've had four full and final settlements, which is rather interesting. So that's my thought on it. What about the claims uh, by various different politicians that Maori never ceded sovereignty? Um, That's not true. And when they say that there's an agreement or they had an agreement, um, Britain's never had an agreement with anyone that they've conquered. They conquered New Zealand, to put it bluntly. And they said, yep, you can be one of us, you can be one of our citizens, and uh, you can abide by our laws, and uh, we'll look after you. But they've never had a partnership as such, and they've never had the separatism-type approach. So I don't know where that all came from. Well, I think it started in 1975 when the Waitangi Tribunal was established, and the law said that uh, the tribunal would establish what the principles of the treaty are, and then over the ensuing 40-odd years, the uh, various different judges and uh, vested interests of, of iwi 
have mo- created this movable feast of principles that were never intended by the by the uh, the never intended in the wording of the treaty, which is actually very simple. You know, um, three articles and a bit of a preamble at the start, uh, and somehow we've ended up with this thing where the principles are what the what what the principles are. Uh, decided on it at any given time, and and a country can't operate like that. Yeah, you know, we have to have laws. We have I've to never, have rules. I've never been a Republican, but maybe we should be. Then we could just say to them, Mary, all right, uh, we're free of England now. Um, you can go back and talk to them. Your deal was with them, not us. Well, well yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, I the other way even... would be that we all be we all become Murray because some wise Murray said was asked. Um, what what do you have to be to be a Maori? And he said, you just want to be a Maori. So why don't we all be Maori? And then we the problem say, goes all away. Maori. All of us. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. concept. We'll see how that flies. Yeah, exactly. All right, Jack. They're not thank achieving you for... anything by themselves. <laughs> no, they're not. They're, okay. not achieving, they're not achieving <laughs> anything by shouting down um, people either. You know, you know ideas should be debated. Uh we shouldn't be stifling debate. And unfortunately, what we're seeing people, is a stifling of debate. For respect for that, yeah, people that ask for respect should first give it. It's a good start. That's a, a wise a wise uh, saying there. Um, that's something my grandmother oh. would have said. You know, I'm probably old enough to be your grandmother. <laughs> Grandfather. <laughs> She's not looking too good right now. Oh, I'm sorry right, to hear Jack. that. Thank you for your thank okay. you for your comments, and we'll talk next week. See you, Cam. Bye. See you. Bye. Good afternoon. Welcome to Cam's Buddies. Good afternoon, Cam. How are you this afternoon? Fantastic, as usual. Excellent. Uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, we're back. First show back, and uh, the Cam's Buddies. We had a new buddy, uh, Lindley, called in, uh, who is from the South Island, and she had some wonderful things to say. Excellent. I'm pleased to hear that. Today's topic is the Treaty of Waitangi, the so-called Treaty Principles, and David Seymour's Treaty Principles Bill, and I'd like to know what your thoughts are on that. Well, perhaps I can start by hoping everyone had a good Waitangi day. I did. I spent it doing my thing in the sun. Um, We were helping to find a wild bull, and it was it was really good. And I know that a lot of people went to the beach. But uh, to turn to David Seymour, I saw it reported that um, David Seymour was flashed a penis during the uh, welcome, and I thought to myself, good Lord, you know, this is a welcome of someone of some high office worthy of respect no matter what, and uh, here we have this kind of what I would call despicable behaviour. And the the reality is that I think a lot of uh, Maori and a lot of Maori elders would have been shaking their heads in horror and disbelief at some idiot making a dick of himself. Well, you know, that's the thing, isn't it? You've got one individual who then uh, has basically smeared everybody else participating because of their carry-on. And I think that, um, you know, David Seymour has a right to be welcomed on to the Marae with some civility, and I think that, uh, you know, the way forward is a logical discussion, and that's 
one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to hearing more about the uh, Treaty Principles Bill that he's proposing. Certainly, I think, back to my schooling, and the Treaty has but three articles, and it seems to me that the... There's no principles, and that seems to be a modern Labour construct with legislation they passed in a past government. And I'm kind of bemused at how the principles have ballooned into a a massive gravy train. <clears throat> yeah, it's quite amazing, really. It's just a single line and a piece of single piece of legislation that mentions the principles of the treaty when there are no principles, and so the courts and the Waitangi Tribunal have taken it upon themselves to write what these principles are, and it seems that they change at the drop of a hat depending on who's got their hand out at the time. And I think that to do um, New Zealanders credit, I think the vast majority, whether they be Maori or Pākehā, are sick of a few whingers going to town, and people are beginning to notice the lack of productivity where government departments have hidden their true function and meaning through um, te reo names. And I'm really bemused at why we can't have a constructive discussion in this country about what has been literally forced on us. And I actually applaud David Seymour and Winston Peters for standing up at Waitangi and laying down the law. And I think that um, Luxon deserves some credit too. However, I think the people that really are showing their true colours are the media. My goodness, how much longer can the mainstream media go on? And actually, they are the cause of the problem in many cases. Absolutely, and they're fermenting mischief happy mischief um, in their regards. They'd like nothing better than to see Biffo buttocks presented, penises presented, uh, yelling, shouting down of, of various speakers. Um, you know, you mentioned about the uh, the welcome of David Seymour onto the marae. Well, it's a Ngāpui marae. David Seymour is a member of the Ngāpui iwi. So there was, it was Ngāpui insulting Ngāpui. And clearly the media and those who oppose David Seymour and indeed Winston Peters and Shane Jones think they're the wrong sort of man. Yeah. And, you know, this, this all this divisiveness needs to stop. I, for one, am heartily sick of it. And I know that there are many people out there who feel the same way. And, you know, if we can't have a discussion about this and we can't have a constructive debate over what part the treaty plays in our history. Now, I think I have some opinions, but I would really like to hear what David Seymour has got to say in his bill. And and knowing Seymour, I think that his bill will be well thought out. I think that his bill will have some controversial aspects. But one of the things I feel very sure about is during the select committee process, I think that we will get the opportunity to make some changes. And this aspect of um, the legislation or the, or the making of legislation was wholly 
ignored in the last six years by the Labour government. The select committee process was merely a sideshow and most of the legislation, if not all of it, was rammed through on ideological grounds with the select committee just being a sham. Well, it seems that, that people have forgotten how a democracy works. Where um, We have elections, and then at the end of the election, we have, if there's no one party that can form a majority, we, uh, you know, various different parties get together and see if they can work out a coalition and a legislative agenda that they can all agree on. Uh, they then create uh, themselves a majority by, uh, you know, f- joining together. And uh, and then they form a government, and then that government then proceeds to initiate their legislative agenda. And it seems that the media and and indeed the loser parties um, have got a very poor habit of um, assuming that the government is not legitimate, or they they do stupid things like when Ardern was the prime minister, people would say she's not my prime minister, and and have these fanciful constructs um, that deny how our democracy works. You know, I had people talking to me about how if we didn't get rid of Ardern this time um, uh, or Labour this time, then they'd be there forever. And, uh, you know, I've been around politics for a long time, and I know that uh, generally, in fact, 99.99% of the time, no government lasts past three terms. And in New Zealand, we've got a, a fine heritage of peaceful transition from one government to the next. And people seem to have forgotten that, and they're trying to undermine the democratically elected government of New Zealand with these fanciful claims um, that somehow they're illegitimate uh, policy and legislative agendas that they're pushing through. I think the most illuminating and enlightening fact of all of this is that the elites that are feeding at the trough of the Waitangi principles and don't want any change, they are exposing themselves more and more. And the media are unwittingly... It's not unwittingly, they're deliberately <laughs> yeah. doing it. Yep, and they're exposing all these... And it's, it's laughable. I think it's getting to the stage where people can see that the emperor has no clothes and they're actually saying it. They're actually saying it in the streets. And I think David Seymour's bill will have a hell of a lot more support than he possibly imagines. And I think it would be very dangerous of Luxon and National to um, to go against it. And, I mean, in my humble opinion, there's a lot to be gained for clearly defining expectations. And I think David Seymour is to be congratulated for trying to do that. Well, you know, that's the thing is what David Seymour is saying is let's have some legislation, let's have a select committee process, let's get feedback from the public, uh, let's then change that legislation in line with the feedback from the public, and let's uh, uh, finally, once and for all, establish what these uh, principles are and set them down in law so that the courts can't tinker with them. And I think that's an admirable goal. Um, sadly, I think that he won't succeed, and he and he won't succeed because I think that the National Party is squishy on this, and uh, they keep saying they're not going to support this past the first uh, past the first reading, 
And uh, that that makes me wonder why we're even bothering to have this uh, argument. I mean, I can see some logical conclusions that will come from that, but none of them end nicely. We want a level playing field. Let's be quite honest. You, me, thousands, indeed most New Zealanders want a level playing field. We don't want um, one particular group considered above others. We want to have people considered on merit. We want to have um, help based on on the need. We we want all this. It's the level, level playing field effect. Luxon and National would be very foolish uh, to ignore this basic fact about New Zealanders. And if Luxon um, walks away from supporting the bill, I think his popularity will be tarnished. I think that he needs to man up. I think he needs to look at what David Seymour's saying. I think he actually needs to measure the pulse of the public. He needs to get an idea of what's happening in the room and he needs to actually put his foot down and say, hey, guys, I stand for a level playing field. You know, we want everyone to be treated equally. And if there are principles of the Treaty of Waitangi that need to be defined, well, these are the definitions that we have come um, come to from public consultation. And if that's the case, I'm happy, you're happy, we're happy. The only people that are not happy are the people who want the definitions to maintain their nebulous current form so that they can extract more uh, cash from the taxpayer. Well, I think that's what it's all about. It's all about money and power. And uh, Lindley said that, uh, our first caller on Cam's Buddies, uh, Lindley said that uh, it was all about money and power and there's no respect in the debate at all from either side. And you know what? I tend to agree with her on that. Yeah, I think that it's it's a sad day when money and power uh, trumps uh, the democratic right of people to be treated fairly. Yeah, 100%. All right, Miles, that's, uh, that's uh, enough from you today. <laughs> we'll, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll talk next week. Fantastic. Thank you, Cam. It's great to be back, and it's good to welcome all the listeners back after a, a long break. Yep, thanks, Miles. Appreciate your call. See you. Bye. See you, bye. Good afternoon, Jimmy. Welcome to Cam's Buddies. G'day, Cameron. Welcome back. Yeah, first show of the year. I've been missing it, and I've been missing your dulcet tones. <laughs> oh, well, it's good to be back. There's a lot happening, mate. What, oh, what's the topic a, tonight? Well, the topic tonight is Treaty of Waitangi, the white, uh, principles of the Treaty of Waitangi, and David Seymour's principles of the Treaty of Waitangi Bill, and what your thoughts are on that. Oh, I love it. I think it's clearly a good thing because all the people who politically I disagree with hate it the most, so it must be good. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, all the all the communists hate it, and it's because they've been using the treaty to advance their communism, and Seymour wants to put an end to it with some principles. I, I just I can't see, and if we can't have a debate, then, you know, how come we can't talk about the treaty? Well, we should yeah. be able to talk about the treaty. That's the thing. We need to have a debate because there are no principles in the treaty. It, there's three articles and a preamble, and that's it. Uh, the principles is some legal construct left as a landmine by 
uh, an activist government in 1975. And since then, the courts and the Waitangi Tribunal have set about def- uh, creating principles that were never envisaged uh, by by the signing of the treaty or by either party on the treaty. And so I think we do need to have a grown-up discussion around this. We need to air what people think. And then we've got a parliamentary process where they put a bill up. Uh, it goes to select committee. Uh, you then take public submissions, and then you alter and amend uh, the law to to suit and get something that most people are happy with, and you pass that law. That's how democracy works. And it seems that there's a group of people in New Zealand that don't want democracy to work that way. They want to shout down people who have uh, alternate views or differing views, and that's not how democracy works, and they need to be reminded of that. Look, I completely agree. And the thing is, they keep saying that David's you know, not consulting Māori. Well, he is Māori. What Māori do you want us to consult? <laughs> he, he is Maori. He is consul- <clears throat> He talks to himself. He's consulted. I know, but which Maoris do they want them to consult? The ones they agree with. Well, well here's the friend, thing, right? My friends are Maori. No, they're let, not consulted. Yeah, let, but let's look at it, right? Nine of the cabinet, over a third of the cabinet, are Maori. So if if uh, the cabinet gets around gets around the cabinet table and has a discussion about the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi. There's nine participants in that cabinet who are Maori who have been consulted. So, so you're right. <laughs> which Maori? Which Maori? It's you know, it's almost like they're no, saying they it's the wrong the kind of Maori. Agree with consulters. Yeah. yeah, that's the problem. We've talked about this before. They, they just want the the Maoris they agree with consulted, not. But but any. what is a Maori? I mean, you get Willie Jackson who <laughs> makes the most outrageous racist He's statements. A new. Well, he's more Ashkenazi <laughs> Jew and more Chinese than he is Maori. Uh, this is just a never-ending circle of New Zealand's doom. And then you've got it's just, it's you've got uh, uh, Kelvin Davis, who's uh, at Waitangi, calling people white spiders, uh, and he's got the brightest, <laughs> the brightest, reddest sunburn of anybody on the at Waitangi on the day. Yeah, it's just ludicrous. I know, I know. It's just, it's just bizarre, and they, they yeah, it's, it's just so bizarre. There's such big problems we've got, and we're just fighting over such bizarre stuff like this. So totally, I, yeah. I, I think it's a great thing, mate. I, I do. And I think Seymour's found something to gain votes over the next term with, and the more well, luck he tries to pretend he's not interested in it. He's not going to do it to appease the woke who never vote for him anyway. I just find bizarre. Well, that was going to ask you the next thing. I can see great profit uh, for David Seymour and New Zealand First in opposing the woke wombles and the racists. Uh, and Luxon sitting there trying to be woke, uh, as woke as the woke, uh, and trying not to appear to be racist is actually alienating him and the National Party from where a large percentage of the population uh, believes and sits uh, where they believe that will be, and that will be with the ACT Party and the New Zealand First Party. And you could see a decline in Nationals' vote and a huge growth in those two parties, and I'd just love to see that. That would just be hilarious to watch. Well, that's highly likely to happen. I, I, I don't really see how that's not going to happen. I mean, I, I, most people I know don't want to get rid of the treaty. Like everyone understands, you know, the treaty's the, the treaty, right? It's not going to be changed. Yeah, and David but, Seymour's not it, changing it, the treaty. No, 
And you just can't have an open-ended meaning to it that changes over time. Otherwise, it's just insane for a country. So I think that national is going to have to look at they'll look at the opinion polls, and I think Luxon will probably make up his mind based on that as typical of national leaders. Yeah. But I think that Seymour was smart enough to get it to the select committee to get it started, and he, he just backed his political mouse that it would be popular, and that would trap Luxon. <laughs> <laughs> I think, so I think, I think he has. Played, eh? Yeah, I think Luxon has been played here, and uh, oh, right, he's uh, been totally outsmarted by Winston and David. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it, eh? Yeah. I don't think he's uh, quite realised that yet, but um, once he gets the first polls of the year, which will be coming, there'll be one coming out shortly from the taxpayers' union. It's usually around this time of the beginning of the month. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what that says. Um, but he'll be getting his own polling as well, and uh, I think he might get a bit of a fright. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll let us know when you hear, mate. Oh, absolutely. All right, uh, Jimmy, <laughs> thank you for the, your call on the first Cam's buddies of the year, and uh, we'll talk again next back. week. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving being cool. back, sitting sitting in behind the microphone again. Good work, mate. Thanks, Cam. Cheers. Okay, mate. See you. My buddies were awesome. How about Lindley? Wasn't she awesome too? I'm so blessed to have such a great bunch of mates and new buddies to share anything with. Tell us who you think was the best of Cam's buddies and why by emailing inbox at realitycheck.radio or text to 2057. Thanks for tuning in to RCR, Reality Check Radio. Do you like what you're listening to or dislike what you're listening to? Either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057. That's 2057. Or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We'd love to hear from you. So connect with us today.